Well, thank you again for being with me. Uh, I want to pick up something that eats away at me now and then. I, I noticed how much conflict we discuss on this program. Uh, we never do conflict just for the sake of conflict, but uh, we try to, the aim is that we as disciples of Christ would be able to deal with the conflict in the world and the church and even in our families uh, in a way that ultimately brings glory uh, to God. And um, we might even get a taste, a foretaste of the kingdom uh, in, uh, in this world. Uh, you know, the, the media world, the secular media world does exist. Uh, it's commercially driven and conflict is a very easy way to keep people watching. So it's they really run with any conflict they can come up with, whether it could be natural disasters, uh, it could be, uh, you know, human espionage, it could be military conflict and struggle. Uh, we got, of course, this conflict now between Russia and Ukraine, right? We've got high-ranking clergy in the Catholic Church who seem to be rejecting the settled teaching of the Church on sexual uh, morality. Uh, and you've always got the chronic demand of activists who are you know, trying to revisit re our language, strip our language of any words or phrases that can possibly be triggers or cause discomfort for certain pockets of people. And virtue signaling is epidemic in our day. But look, we know virtue is not something we signal to people. Virtue is our habit of character, which doesn't perform for others. It helps us stay focused on our goal. And what is the goal of the Christian disciple? St. Paul writes to Timothy that the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. That's why the church exists, to make saints, to help men and women become all that God created them to be. Matthew Kelly uh, translates that sometimes as being the best version of yourself. St. Paul uses the phrase conformity to Christ. Thomas Akempis talks about the imitation of Christ. And all these phrases are intended to help us latch onto a slogan or a motto that we can keep before us as we go through life with all its inevitable conflicts and disappointments and sorrows and sufferings. It's easy to forget that when we're daily fed outrages of this person or that clergy person or this theologian doing weird stuff, it's easy to forget what our goal is. We want to mount up and fight back. All, all of these things. Not too smart to just react. We should respond, and we respond by remembering that goal. The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. A few years ago, my friend Teresa Hofer passed on a book to me by the Carmelite spiritual writer Mark Foley. It had a wonderful title, The Love That Keeps Us Sane, Living the Little Way of St. Therese of Lisieux. Um, the love that keeps us sane is a great phrase, and I can actually imagine a phrase like that coming off the pen of St. Paul, the great 1 Corinthians 13 passage, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonor others, it is not self-serving, it's not easily angered, love keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres, always keeps us sane. Love never fails. You know, I can imagine just slipping that phrase in there. St. Therese once said, 
that if the saints came back to earth, most of them would not recognize themselves by what we've written about them. This is certainly true of St. Therese. She was impatient with sentimental portrayals of the saints. She believed that for us to become or for us to experience sanctity, we had to see the saints in their real lives with their real struggles, not their imagined lives. They didn't begin as saints. They had lots of struggles and conflict before they achieved sanctity. In fact, in his biography of uh, Therese, Barry Ulanoff writes that, I have found myself marveling over her realism. And I know what he means. The saints are often portrayed as though they float a few feet above the earth, heads in the cloud. But Therese didn't want to be remembered that way. And so she recounted her mother's death at an early age, her father's being institutionalized in an asylum for the mentally ill, her dark night when she could no longer believe in an afterlife, her intense physical suffering from tuberculosis that led to her death at the age of 24. And these traumas, big traumas, didn't stand alone either. She didn't hesitate to recount the daily pain and the neck annoyances that she had to deal with. She called it the martyrdom of pinpricks. She lived with a number of people for whom she had a natural antipathy, or to put it less less eloquently, she lived with people she couldn't stomach. Let me quote her. There is in our community a sister who has the faculty of displeasing me in everything, in her ways, her words, her character. Everything seems very disagreeable. There was an elderly nun um, that Therese had volunteered to help and accompany from place to place. And Therese described her as pretty cranky, very odd and short-tempered. And at times, her superior showed herself erratic and subject to fits of jealous rage. I mean, St. Therese was appointed to assist her superior, you know, and found it almost impossible to satisfy her. She comments on the older woman's fickleness, her instability, her insecurities, and You know, chances are some of us have worked for bosses like that. Therese certainly understood that. Father Foley writes that Therese's sanity uh, is in her ability to be deeply involved in life without becoming absorbed by it. She had the genius of knowing how to love others without becoming enmeshed in their problems. She could deal with the absurdities of daily life without losing her perspective. And what was at the core of Therese's perspective? Because this is at the core of her sanity. She saw all of life in light of eternity. This is the perspective that gave Therese a sense of proportion. She knew how to choose her battles wisely. She learned to not draw her sense of self from the approval of others. She learned how to mind her own business and not take up the causes or complaints of others. She also knew how to work without demanding to see the fruits of her labor now. I, I think of so many parents whose hearts are wounded because for all their prayers, their sacrifices, their example, they have sons and daughters who have drifted away, ran away, or simply rejected the faith. I think of so many converts or reverts to the Catholic faith whose anger is mounting as church leaders who are ordained to teach and model the faith, seem more interested in revising it to bring it more in line with secular culture. 
I mean, over the last two days, Monica Miller, Peter Herbeck, and I referenced one very influential cardinal who is reported to have said that the church's teaching uh, about homosexuality is wrong. Okay, in all fairness to him, he didn't elaborate very much. But he didn't guard himself very much either. He didn't try to nuance his remark or present it in a way that would harmonize with the church's current pronouncements. He deliberately caused a stir and troubled the conscience of many. Not good. That's not good in a spiritual leader. And I think of so many American citizens who were raised to be proud of our nation's place in the grand sweep of human history. You know, the first nation built on what might be called ordered liberty. But today, these citizens are being tossed to and fro by every wind of CNN, Fox, MSNBC, reporting about the impotence, the confusion, the self-seeking of our national leaders. Yeah, we're living during a time when the institutions that God intended to help stabilize our lives uh, are being buffeted about by many hostile and unsettling forces. Family, church, state, daily they're being battered, and it's difficult not to reflect a corresponding sense of siege or threat. It's easy to lose our peace, or even to think that in times of distress, we aren't entitled to have peace or joy. St. Therese has some very good advice for us here. One day, when she was depressed over not knowing her particular calling or ministry or what she could do to build up the monastery in Carmel, she went to the infirmary to visit a saintly old nun there, Mother Genevieve. The place seemed crowded, and Therese simply smiled and started to walk away. Mother Genevieve says, wait, my little child, I'm going to say just a little word to you. Serve God with peace and joy. Remember, my child, our God is a God of peace. These words were such a bomb to Teresa's troubled heart that she was convinced that God had revealed the state of her soul to Mother Genevieve. So if all these reports about the church, the state, your family, are weighing you down, and you feel as though only your misery is proportionate to the problems before us, remember, God is a God of peace. He doesn't want you destroyed. He wants you built up in the faith. And if we find ourselves constantly agitated by reports of what's going wrong in the world, what's going wrong in the church, what's going wrong in our family, we need to remember our fundamental identity as a disciple of Jesus and that the aim of Christ's instruction, just as St. Paul's instruction, the aim is not to put Vladimir Putin in his place or even expose the false teachers among us. The aim of the disciple's life, which is really Christ's life in us, is to show love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And from the standpoint of eternity, this is what we strive for. And we shouldn't let the troubles of this age, the troubles of this world, keep us from experiencing the peace, the joy, the sense of purpose that God has for us. Um, she, Therese uh, instructs her sister Celine. She said, be like a child. Practice all the virtues and so always lift up your little foot to mount the ladder of holiness. But do not imagine that you will be able to ascend even the first step. No, 
The good Lord does not demand more from you than your goodwill. From the top of the stairs, he looks at you with love. Very soon, won over by your useless efforts, he will come down and take you in his arm. He will carry you up. But if you stop lifting your little foot, he will leave you a long time on the ground. Keep sanity. Continue to lift up your little foot. But don't imagine that your efforts are all going to be successful. Continue to keep in mind the instruction that we've received, which is intended to produce love, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. I'm Al Cresto.